0: Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a Baller. Welcome
1: in Wednesday, September twelfth, the first ever in season Dynasty Podcast. Guys, we're we're here. I'm joined by Jason Moore and Matthew. What Betts. up?
2: Can't believe it, man. Who, who would have thought we'd make it in season? They thought they would cancel us before we got here. But no, baby, we're not going away.
1: They said it couldn't happen. They said there was nothing to talk about, right? Like, oh, it's just Dynasty. We have a ton to talk about. And the best part is the NFL, for better or for worse, kind of writes itself. And I was thinking about this earlier today. And Jason, you know, you're a businessman. You've, you run some business. But like, how awesome is it to run a business around something that basically just all the time has something to talk about?
0: Oh, it is a delight. I mean, the nice thing is, you know, I've I, so I've, as you said, I've, I've had some businesses in the past. My first uh, large-scale business was centered around MySpace, if uh, some of our uh, listening audience can remember what that is. Um, and that didn't go so well for the long term. They folded. And then uh, eventually Facebook Gaming was huge, had a big company there. That's actually where uh, the ballers all met. We all worked together for a good decade, and Facebook Gaming went away. But the NFL, the NFL is celebrating over a hundred years, and they're doing just fine. We went down to the NFL Studios, uh, their their new headquarters, a couple weeks ago to celebrate this podcast and the inclusion, uh, you know, as part of the NFL network of podcasts, and um, they are doing all right. I can uh, firsthand, I can tell you right now, the NFL, they are. A good, well-oiled machine.
2: I think that Thursday night game wasn't it up twenty six percent compared to last year in terms of uh, viewers in Week One against it was the Chiefs and Lions. That was insane. That number that came out that stat. Yeah, the NFL is is here to stay.
1: It's it's funny because it's not static. It's not boring. Even if there's teams that you know people that didn't they didn't just like okay, well it's just the Cowboys. That's the famous team. There's the Steelers, Patriots. It's like no, every single team has a storyline. Even the Cardinals, it's like, oh, their storyline is, what are they running out there? And what are they going for next year? There's just so much. It writes itself. And so, Jason, all it took is for you to figure out over the years to just attach yourself to a behemoth, and we're going to ride this thing, Dynasty style.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we we, we want to ride it, and we want to ride it hard. And so that's what we're going to do. Thank you. That's, Kyle can't exactly, even talk right now.
1: <laughs> that's exactly, you know, in our pre show planning, that was our main main point to bring up. So I'm glad that
2: I got to bring it up. It was that and in in MySpace. Se- Those were the two top <laughs> top, top priorities on the show.
1: <laughs> I bet if I bet, you know, you do some searches, fill stuff you can find some good stuff with MySpace and Jason Moore's name attached to it. But um in season for the Dynasty Podcast people, we will be recapping and then talking about some of the top storylines for the first week. We will be talking about overreactions, and it's easy to kind of just give a short-term view of, okay, here's what happened, here's how we adjust. We're also giving the long-term outlook of how you can trade players, their, uh, their values, you know, like, hey, is this player something uh, that I could trade right now, or do I need to wait it out? And, and we're going to talk about some of those players. So you can stick with us all throughout the season. We're going to be talking about uh, dynasty value and dynasty players, but I wanted to start us off with some bench boys, okay? Bench boys. Bench boys. I want to talk about a player that was on your dynasty bench because I know that they were out there for people. that When you saw them, you're like, this is awesome. They counted no points for my team, but their value is going up. So this isn't a nasty boy anymore. This is a bench boy. This is a level up. So Jason, give me somebody that was on your dynasty bench that from week one to week two has already ascended in value.
0: Yeah, so um, I I took this very serious. I went and I looked at my main dynasty leagues and I said, who that is sitting on my personal bench looks like they are much better off and is a player who got a lot of buzz in the preseason and in training camp. Uh, But it's a player I think could still even qualify as a nasty boy because not a lot of people know of this guy. Uh, It is the second year wide receiver. Playing his first season in the NFL because he missed his entire rookie year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Calvin Austin, uh, second-year wide receiver for uh, for the Steelers. He is a little bitty baby boy. I believe he's five eight one seventy, small guy, but lightning fast. I mean, we're talking four three two speed. He is also a good wide receiver. A lot of times you got speedy guys. You know, you got your Tyquan Thornton's that. They can blaze, but you're not 100% sure that they're a good wide receiver. Calvin Austin was a good wide receiver. His last two years in Memphis, uh, you know, he combined for 2,300 yards, almost 20 touchdowns, really talented wide receiver, and had a lot of buzz through training camp. Training camp was talking about how he was making plays all the time. Then you go into preseason and you saw some handoffs, some deep shots, looked good. Well, now week one, the putrid, not great, but the putrid offense we saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers against an awesome 49ers defense. It wasn't great, but here was Calvin Austin playing 56% of the snaps already in that week. He received six targets. He broke three tackles, and now you have Deontay Johnson who is probably going to miss several weeks with a new hamstring injury. And, you know, there's there's certain – here's a dynasty tip. Um, that I personally try to follow, and it's why I have Calvin Austin on my roster. I held on to him all through last year. Certain teams are good at drafting certain types of players. They just are. Um, you you, you want to know who's going to be a good defensive player, just go look at whoever Baltimore drafts. And some of that is not just because of their scouting and their um, ability to identify the traits that work for certain positions. That's part of it. But some of it is they also have a system in place to train up these new players. They know how to get the most out of them. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you talk about drafting good wide receivers. You go. All, I mean, you can go way back. But even if you just go back to Antonio Brown, um, you know they they draft Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool looked good when he was on their team. Uh, you got George Pickens, Juju. who's been great, yeah Juju was a was an awesome player until his knee injury, and so they've got Calvin Austin who they you know held on to through his missed rookie year. I think he gets on the field more and more, and I think he is a really important part of this offense because when you think about the Steelers, you think about dink and dunk and short and inefficient and garbage and awful and yeah et cetera et cetera. This version of the Pittsburgh Steelers is there's just no explosiveness there is one super explosive player and it's Calvin Austin. Well, there's two Jalen Warren but uh, you know he's in the backfield. Calvin Austin will be out wide stretching the field. he will have some bomb touchdowns and I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't expect him to level up to the tune of you know a dominant fantasy asset but I think he can really develop into a player that is someone that you want to throw into lineups for big explosive production where you know he'll have uh, volatility. But when you're in dynasty leagues, you know, and you're starting, you know, a lot of dynasty rosters, you're talking three wide receiver, maybe two flex, you're going deep. And there's not players that are deep that I think are going to have the the individual game upside of Calvin Austin if he develops. Because keep in mind, this is really his rookie season as an NFL player.
1: He's just so different too than Pickens and Allen Robinson in terms of creating separation. Like that's that's just a different skill set as a whole. I think we would say like George Pickens the ceiling is way higher. But at the end of the day, like Calvin Austin could like week to week lead this team in targets, like in short area targets. They might not be as valuable, but he can also hit one deep. Like he's just he's just different than what they have. So I love the pick, Jason, because he's somebody that hasn't been on my radar. I don't have him in any leagues. So it's kind of nice to say like, I don't know, in a full PPR, like he can be a flex for you.
0: What's crazy is Calvin Austin – is probably on some dynasty waiver wires. Like uh, we're, we're talking about a guy who was already on your bench who's leveling up. You should, if you are playing in any dynasty leagues, which you are listening to the dynasty podcast, I would imagine y- you play in dynasty leagues. Go check your waiver wires right now for Calvin Austin. He, you know, he wasn't a he wasn't uh, high enough draft capital to keep in all formats last year. So you you could add him to your roster now.
1: Bets, why don't you go next with uh, one of the true goats?
2: <laughs> According to Arthur Smith, this guy is the GOAT. I am talking about Tyler Algier. Now, you mentioned these guys kind of like came out of nowhere week one. Tyler Algier had a great rookie season, set the the franchise record for rookie rushing yards, right? He was great last year, over a thousand yards. But as soon as they drafted Bijan Robinson, you thought this guy's done. He's just on my bench. He has no trade value. Like maybe Bijan gets hurt and you can play him. But the usage in week one says maybe we have a guy that you can play as a flex every single week, even when Bijan is healthy. I mean, look at the usage uh, this week. Bijan, of course, uh, played more snaps, ran more routes, but Tyler Algier had 18 opportunities to Bijan 16. And then more importantly, carries inside the five yard line, Tyler Algier three, Bijan zero. Now, does that stick the entire season? Probably not, right? And I don't think the Falcons are going to win every game by two or three scores. But Arthur Smith does not care about us in fantasy. He wants to run the ball. And so whenever the Falcons do have a projected positive game script, I think Tyler Algier is totally startable. Redraft, dynasty leagues. And you thought, you know, when they took Bijan 8th overall, you thought he was done.
1: I'm in a super flex league where my team is pretty bad. Okay, like I I don't even have a second starting quarterback. Okay, because of injuries. I have Kyler and this team's kind of been rebuilding and I've acquired picks. So I was forced to start, Tyler Algier in my oh, superflex you lucky spot. Man. <laughs> that's hilarious. And of course, and of course, I won. So you know, if you're ever in the rebuilding mode and you win, you go like, oh, did the... <laughs> this Whoops. is good, right?" <laughs> so anyway, Tyler Algier. We'll talk more about the Falcons later because I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from a team perspective is Algier, Bijan. What do you do with the passing offense? I know, Jason, you have a lot of thoughts.
0: And oh I... yeah, we'll we'll get to that.
1: Did you say you think they're going to win the division?
0: I did. I, I, am, I am officially on record saying that I believe they will win the division.
1: I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I'm going to throw out Puka Nakua. Or... Yes,
0: this is the number one. Like This is the answer to the question. You just got into the dock first. That's true.
1: And also, he's on my bench. So, I, you know, in the main Ballers Dynasty League, Jeremy and I picked him up way, you know, right after the rookie draft and just been Before sitting it was on cool. it. Apparently, but we didn't know it was going to happen. I, also, this is my favorite nickname from Monday's show. Like, by far. Like, Puka Nakupa Cup Jr. is yes. a, That's a pretty good a, one. Such a great <laughs> nickname. Um, we brought his name up earlier this summer after the draft. It was in early May in our Take It or Leave It segment where we just threw out a thought, and all we were simply saying is, I don't know what he is. He was a target earner at BYU, and Sean McVay is one of those players that can scheme players open. So, 40% targets per outrun is nuts in week one. That, like, If you were to hit a number like that, I mean, the best in the league, Tyreek Hill, they're hitting just above 30 throughout the season. So 40% week one is nuts, 15 targets. I don't think he's going away. And obviously he was a big talking point today on the main show when we talk about redraft. But what do you guys think about Puka as in week two against the 49ers and then the rest of season? I know we still have so many questions about Cooper Cup when he returns, but I mean, what, what are your thoughts on his staying power, Jason, rest of the season?
0: Yeah, so let's let's actually look at it longer than that because this is a dynasty show and Cooper Cup is long in the tooth. Maybe he gets healthy this year. Maybe he gets back and dominates. Maybe he dominates again next year. There's also the, the world where he doesn't get back ever again to Cooper Cup full strength where he comes back and it takes him six weeks to get back and then he re-aggravates it again. And, you know, all of a sudden now it's a nightmare. Um, there's also the truth that he is now tied to Sean McVay, and Sean McVay committed to this team again this last off season, and I believe Sean McVay is going to want to prove that he can do it again with the Rams. Puka is a talented player. Uh, you know, this is pre NFL draft. Puka was a wide receiver that I really liked. I thought for all of the you know you you go by like consensus draft experts, uh, big boards in the pre NFL draft time. Cause I'm not a college guy. So I just go down and I, you know, go top to bottom. So we're, we're starting scouting JSN and, and Jordan Addison and Zay flowers and those type of players. And Puka was one of the last guys I scouted. Uh, he wasn't super highly touted, but I remember thinking like, dude, this guy's good. And in a draft c- class full of baby boys, this is like a man out there. Um, so I really, really liked him. Then he goes to Sean McVay. So his long-term future when you come out and you can go 10 for 15 in week 1 as a rookie in the NFL it's not a fluke, it's not an accident. He's good. I believe in him. I'm I'm, you know, I would push chips on on him having a good, decent future ahead. Now, specifically the next couple of weeks, 49ers are going to be tough. They just destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we'll, we'll see if Sean McVay can do a little bit more in division. I will say that the 49ers usually have the Rams number. I mean, like, like they, I, I don't have any stats in front of me. This is anecdotal in my brain. Maybe you can look this up, but I am pretty sure that the 49ers and Shanahan own Sean McVay. They like, they, they have made a deal where he can't compete with them. Uh, so I do worry about this week. Obviously, going forward, I worry about when Cooper Cup comes back, whether Puka will be in two wide receiver sets, or whether that will be Van Jefferson. I think Van Jefferson is a really good NFL three. So I hope Puka develops his way into wide receiver two. But in a dynasty format, I am one hundred percent in on Puka. Yeah, I looked up the stat. Sean McVay is three and eight against Kyle yeah.
1: Shanahan. So,
0: uh, and usually I'm telling, usually it's a whooping like. The 49ers, Niners—they bend Sean McVay over his, over their knee, and they 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 count his birthday off right on his backside.
2: <laughs> before before we move on, I was going to ask you guys, what would like if you're obviously bullish on Puka Nakua? You were before the draft, Jason and Kyle. Feel free to jump in. What would you give up in a trade to go get him? Like if we're talking rookie picks for next year,
0: I I think I'd be happy to give up a second round rookie pick for him. You know, you you've you've seen um, a little flash, and you can't wait too long for that to happen. Second round rookie picks are at best a 50% shot at happening. What you hope you get in the second round, what you dream of getting in the second round is a player who week one can go out there and go 10 for 15. And then if you trade that pick that could develop into nothing, it could just be a bust. Not only could it be a bust, but at best, if it hits, it's a year away because you're trading a 2024 pick. So I, I would absolutely go off for a twenty twenty three for Puka in all leagues. I don't know that you'll be able to get that done right now because it's hard. Maybe you do that in another week after you know the Shanahan spanks McVay.
1: I as a resident Puka pal, you know, someone that that has him on the team, I I think it's just a hold. Like there's just like a second wouldn't get it done. And I think Jason's right. Like that's where you start the negotiation, but you would probably want to say, hey, I just want to see where this goes especially with Cups injury up in the air. So he's one of those players that you got him for nothing. And so right now you can try to flip that and maybe that does work, but it's so early in the process that there's not a need. Like you don't have to turn around. Now, Jeremy and I are trying to as best we can lose again this year, but we can't, We, we won again in week one. So who knows? We're, we're bad at trying to lose. That's, that's like where the dynasty process is just broken down for us. So, whatever uh pukunuku is a great player we'll be talking about him hopefully more and more throughout this season but if you got a bench boy someone that went off on your bench send us a screenshot because i just want to see some of the names that just went bananas for teams this week that were just sitting out there on the wire or on the wire or on your bench but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back <laughs> You guys have been around the block in the fantasy football industry. And so for week one, I feel like this is kind of like we know what's going to happen. We know that people are going to overreact and we know that our timelines are going to fill up. So Jason, you've been doing this the longest. Is there any principles before we get into our big, you know, week one overreactions and talking points? Is there any principles you want to give people of just like, hey, stay water, don't overreact, because I think most people, that's like what they want to do is they just want to make a quick decision.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's obviously very nuanced, right? Because you have two sides of the coin that are really, they're, 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 they're as far as the east from the west in the sense that um, week one performances show you special things. You know, we talk about Pukunokua and that he looks like he could be legit. And you either choose to jump on it or you don't. And so you want to be aggressive. With week one storylines, you want to not wait around and be proven after week five when you can you can no longer participate. But when you overreact, when you're wrong, when you reach, you know, may, Puka is no guarantee, As uh, you know, as an example. And we have so much history of a week one dud or a week one stud completely going the other direction for the rest of the season, the rest of their careers. Uh, Sammy Watkins was always a Week One super darling, and then you know just wasn't really real most of the seasons he played football. So, um, I think I think you just have to take it case by case. Um, you need to when you're excited about something, you need to try to play devil's advocate, right? So, like Puka Nakua, what could go wrong? Well, Cooper Cup comes back, he's relegated to the wide receiver three position. Maybe the wide receiver four. Maybe Tutu Atwell is the wide receiver three. And then you just have to ask yourself how realistic that is. How realistic is it that Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell, guys who are multiple years into their career and have never been able to establish anything significant, that those guys can keep someone talented off the field? You know, I I think it's unrealistic. So um, you take it case by case, and that's what we're going to do here. We're going to look at six big storylines and see if this is something we need to react to quickly or are, are people overreacting to, and we need to have caution.
2: Yeah, one name that came up when you were, we were talking, Jason, that I thought of, <laughs> this is going to make people laugh, Kenny Galladay, right? Now, you laugh now because of what he is now, but there was a time in Dynasty where he came out of nowhere in week one as a rookie, four catches, 69 yards, two touchdowns, burst onto the scene. Of course, now he's nothing and has no value and is not even in the league, but there was a time where, like, he was valued as a top twenty dynasty wide receiver. So that's just another example of like, if you kind of waited, like, you missed the value peak of him. And I'm not saying Puka is going to have the same career path. I certainly hope that is not the case <laughs> of Kenny Galladay. But um, that's an example of like, hey, if you didn't jump on that, you might have missed an opportunity. He was on waiver wires. He was like a fourth round rookie pick, right? That that sort of example. Those things definitely happen. So, like Jason said, you don't want to ignore everything, but you want to uh, react appropriately.
1: Yeah, it's the, there's a blend between underreacting and just being passive and just watching. Like, that's what we don't want as a manager.
0: Right, yes. But we
1: want to be proactive. And you know, the worst case scenario is you start some trade offers and then it doesn't amount to anything and you don't have to move on. But at least you're being proactive about the conversation about a player rather than just standing pat. Like, I'm actually trying to take offers Puka, just to see what people will do. Because I don't know. Like, that's the best part about Dynasty is people value players all over the map. If someone's willing to give a first... We'll talk, but like, it kind of depends on how desperate people are, what they saw. Like, if if they watch that game, they're like, "Holy crap, this guy is just open all the time." Fifteen targets. So, be proactive uh, rather than just being passive. But let's talk about these overreactions. I'm not gonna do what you all think I'm gonna do, which is just flip out. All right, we're going to give six storylines, and I'm going to let Betts start first because this is the biggest story in sports uh, with the Jets and the Jets' outlook. We talked about it a little bit of just how do you react with Zach Wilson, but let's talk about Garrett Wilson because it is, it is dicey. I talked to a couple Garrett Wilson managers this morning of just here's my expectation 24 hours ago, and then here's how I feel now, which is just completely drastic. So talk to me about the Jets.
2: Yeah, uh, this is such a bummer. Like, I feel bad for Jets fans. I feel bad for NFL fans. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is the human being, but tearing the Achilles, you know, when you have Garrett Wilson on your dynasty roster, take him in redraft leagues, you think you have a potential top three fantasy wide receiver in the range of outcomes. That's gone, right? It's just gone in a matter of literally one play. Uh, With Zach Wilson, it's just not going to happen. Now, they're kicking the can on veterans. We don't know who it is as of this recording, but like, If you watched the interview with Robert Sala last night, which why would you interview Robert Sala right after the the injury? But they did. And the first thing he said about it was, well, we've got a great defense. He didn't say anything about Zach Wilson. He said, we've got a great defense. (laughs) They're going to be insanely conservative, I think, as long as Zach Wilson is the starter, which how can you blame them, right? Because you've got Dalvin, you've got Brees, who we'll talk about him. He looked incredible. And you do have an elite defense. And just to put some numbers to it, they were by far Ted last in pass rate over expectation last night, and they were trailing most of the game. So, I, I mean, Garrett Wilson's touchdown grab, boys, was out of this world. He is that level of player. But the throw itself from Zach Wilson was horrible. It was not in a good spot for, for Garrett Wilson. He saved it on that, on that, uh, that catch. But the volume is a big-time concern. You know, uh, last season when Garrett Wilson played with anyone, not named Zach Wilson. He was averaging 17 fantasy points per game with Zach Wilson, 8.6. So I I don't know. Like if if Garrett Wilson finishes as like a mid-range wide receiver too, at this point, you're going to be super disappointed. But I feel like that's kind of the expectation now from a redraft league. Now, this is dynasty. So I don't want everyone to panic because Garrett Wilson has everything we look for from the age, the profile, you know, second year wide receiver, those things. It's just that if you were a contender and you had Garrett Wilson, like, you don't feel as great about your chances this year, I think, based off of this uh, Aaron Rodgers injury.
1: I don't think that you can trade him away right now because you're going to get 75, 80 cents on the dollar from anybody. So it, it just in terms of emotional reactions, don't hit the panic button. We had an instance last year where in week one, we were like, oh no, what are we going to do with CeeDee Lamb when Dak Prescott's out? And that was a short-term injury. But CD was fine. I think it just comes down to who earns targets And are they going to be in game scripts where they have to throw more? That's the hardest thing I have. You know, I just have to look at this team and say, this team is built on defense and we saw that it could beat the bills somehow, some way on just their defense and defense alone. So volume, I don't know, like seven targets a game feels right, but the dreams of 150 targets and 150 good targets is something that you just kind of have to throw aside. So Jason, are you trying to go after Garrett Wilson at all? Like knowing that the manager is probably like a little shaken.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I don't mind going after him and seeing if you can get him in a dynasty league, especially if you're a team that is not necessarily looking to compete this year. And maybe Garrett Wilson is on more of a championship roster. That's where I'm looking at it more because you're not going to get him 50 cents on the dollar. He's Garrett Wilson. Uh, Dynasty managers are smart enough to realize like, look, he's, One of the most talented wide receivers in the league. And, you know, if I've got to write out this season with 75% of him, uh, whatever, he's still going to be a valuable fantasy asset, even if he's not a top five wide receiver. Um, And then in the future, you know, should be uh, super bright ahead without Zach Wilson. So I don't think you're going to get him super cheap, but it's always worth kicking the tires just to ask, just to see if you can, you know, can you go trade? What What would you trade? Would you trade two firsts for him? I would comfortably I would. because yeah. he he's yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah. right? So and in know, dynasty, go, leaves, go offer that.
2: You don't get these opportunities very often to acquire a superstar. There is a small window right here, and I think you have to pounce if, especially if you're not a contender this year. I think now's the time.
1: Would you rather have Garrett Wilson or Jalen Waddle in dynasty right now? Because oh, before tough. the season, I would have easily said Garrett Wilson.
0: I think I would That is really really I think tough. I would still take Wilson. Yeah, I I lean that way as well. Uh I have Waddle in our main dynasty league and I'm really thinking like who would I rather have? And the truth is that Tyreek Hill is going to be great this year, but Tyreek Hill is going to be great next year. And I am a I am very afraid that Tyreek Hill is going to be really great the year after that. Like mo you know at 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 his age most of the time I'm looking for I would be talking about oh Jalen Waddle. He's going to be the one. He's going to step in. You know the way that uh, Julio Jones did when Roddy White was the dude. And eventually Roddy White goes away and Julio becomes Julio. I'm waiting for that to happen for Jalen Waddle. I think that's going to happen like four years from now because Tyreek Hill is going to age great. When speed is your weapon, we've seen this with some. You know, cornerbacks that play into their, their like to 40 because they're just so darn fast. And so I don't think Tyreek, you know, Tyreek's going to finish out his contract, which I think is three more years, and then he'll retire, do other things. He'll be great the whole time he's playing. So I will take Garrett Wilson, who is the one for their team. Yep.
2: Makes a lot of sense. Before we move on from the Jets, we got to talk Brees Hall, boys, because. Oh, my wow. goodness. The thing is. He's only going to get more explosive over the next four, five, six weeks, which is uh, kind of scary to think about. The numbers, right, from Dalvin Cook to Brees Hall last night were truly laughable when you look at the efficiency, the explosiveness, and if you just watch the game. Like I've been kind of on record saying, I think Dalvin's somewhat close to done. Like he's hitting that age cliff that we get a little worried about. Brees Hall entering year two is is on the uh, you know ascension to being the best, one of the best running backs in the league. Especially given the landscape, right? Of like the Saquons of the world are slowly getting to the point where like the end is coming. It's, it's closer than it was to the beginning. These guys entering year two usually are very good bets. I know Brees Hall is coming off that ACL, but he showed everything that you're looking for to say like he's, he's probably going to return to form and maybe then some. And just to put the numbers to it, uh, which is very funny 13.4 yards per touch for Brees Hall, 3.7 Pretty for Dalvin Cook. Now <laughs> that, that probably won't hold, but the Jets have no choice but to ride this two, this running back tandem, these two guys. So, man, if you held Brees Hall through the injury or you traded for him somewhat cheap this offseason, I think you've got to be feeling incredible right now.
0: Yeah, no, I am. I'm feeling incredible. Thank you. Uh, af- four hours after that game, I did have to call a doctor, if you know what I'm saying. But <laughs> let me tell you, Brees Hall's got me going. I love that dude. And, uh, man, I you know, you you saw it on that big 83-yard run that, w- that wasn't a touchdown. He's, he doesn't have a gas tank yet. He hasn't been able right. to stay in football shape. So you just – I can't imagine towards the end of the year when he's in great shape what he's going to be doing every single week when they are relying on the defense and run game, and it's going to be Brees, baby. Could you imagine? Like if your main dynasty league, like your primary dynasty league, if you had like Bijan John Robinson and oh Brees gosh. Hall – Oh and Travis Etienne, you know, on, like, the same roster. How would you feel? Guys, how would you feel if that was your team High instead tea, of it being High my tea. team?
1: Jason, you are just sniffing your farts on the air. Mm, they <laughs> smell so good. Jason, you make a, a four-hour joke and then a sniffing your farts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why I people would, listen. I know. I'd expect nothing less. I'm going to let you go next. You're going to talk to us about Jordan Love and the Packers who put up 38 points on the Bears.
0: Yeah, so this is another one of those big storylines where you've got to pounce or uh, throw caution on it because one of the biggest questions coming into this year from a fantasy perspective, from an NFL perspective, but certainly without a doubt from a dynasty perspective is what is Jordan Love capable of? These the, Talk about a young group of wide receivers here. You have a trifecta of... Um, really great young options, and then they add Luke Musgrave at tight end. So you've got Christian Watson, uh, you've got Romeo Dobbs there, and you've got uh, Jalen Reed, three first- and second-year wide receivers, and they can only be as good as the quarterback plays. Week one of Jordan Love becoming the full-time starter with training camp and everything else, he was awesome. 15-27, 15-27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, um, no picks. He ran the offense well. Uh, the running game was working. Everything seemed to be going well. And if, if the future for the Packers is what the past is for the Packers, which means just nothing but quarterback hit after quarterback hit, and they've done it again, and Jordan Love is great, then you have to believe that your long-term outlook – for Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs and Jalen Reed, Jaden Reed are um, sky's the limit. Um, you you also need to be pretty bullish on Luke Musgrave. And so I think that there will be some people overreacting to this performance. This is one where I personally will pump the brakes on. I will have caution with. Um, you had Aaron Jones in this game decimating uh the Chicago Bears defense really opening things up uh Aaron Jones is not going to be a long-term solution for this team and and honestly A.J. Dillon's I I I feel like he's just getting worse <laughs> he does not look good he hasn't looked good in two years 1.9 he's a slow, yards per carry <laughs> yeah won. oh was it really that yes, bad 1.9 ask I mean he's just he's not that great. He's a big, strong human being. He's not a good running back for the NFL. So if you if you don't have Aaron Jones long term, there's question marks. You know about pinning your ears back and being able to have, go after uh, Jordan Love. But the real issue here is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears looked completely unready for that game. They looked like they were a team that has been living off of off season hype since the draft and their trades and. Uh, you're getting DJ Moore, and just the ex- excitement that I know is in the city of Chicago. I feel like that team just came in. You want to talk about smelling your own farts? They came in just believing that they've they've achieved something. They don't call it the like, 2015 boys, all right? Yeah, <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, you know, th- I, I think they came in just really thinking that uh, their team was ready to click automatically, and they got punched in the mouth. Uh, I don't think their defense is very good. It was obviously not good last year, and I am not going to overreact and sit there and think that Jordan Love is a future superstar. I won't be pouncing on Love. I won't be pouncing on uh, Christian Watson, who I do believe is good. Um, I won't be pouncing on um, Romeo Dobbs with his two touchdowns. I will take a wait-and-see approach here because I credit the Chicago Bears with 60%. (laughs) That's I'm not giving them all the credit. I mean, the Green Bay Packers deserve credit for the performance they did. But I still think the majority of credit goes to the Chicago Bears. and I will uh, i I don't want you, our listeners, to overreact from what you saw in Green Bay where everything worked. I
1: could not agree more. And I love the way that you brought it up in a very Jason Moore way. Like I'm giving credit to the Bears for being bad to to show Jordan Love. He was pressured on six dropbacks. Like, he didn't have to do much. And then, yes, three touchdowns look good. Um, the, the box score looks good. But on play action, he was actually one of the worst players in week one. So that's what I care more about is, like, if they get the running game going, then you would think that they would be good on play action. That's something Jordan Love didn't do great. Uh, I still think they win this division, which – they were had the worst odds, which is wild for a long time. So I think they could still win the division. But if people are overreacting and saying Jordan Love's going to be a QB1 for my fantasy team, like I think you're happy. If you held on in a super flex league as a QB2, I think that can work. But I think if you're hoping for anything more than top 12 to 15, I think that's a lot. So I, I've seen a lot of offers in the first day like, oh, could I trade Jordan Love for, I don't know, Dak or, uh, you know Daniel Jones, like that's the tier, and I'd still rather have those other players. That's just me. I don't know, Bets, how do you feel?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of bought into to Jordan Love from the preseason, which you know some people laugh at the preseason because of what it is, but like when you see flashes, like it is a time to to pounce before things change, and uh, the trade specifically in a superflex league, I think it gave up. It was a twenty. 25 first for Jordan Love and a third or something like that on top. Um, As a, as a QB2, I have Kyler, needed a guy. And I was like, you know what? This makes sense. So I'm happy. Like, I'm happy he came out and succeeded in week one. But like you said, um, I want to see more before I really, truly think that that was like a home run trade. I'm happy with QB2 numbers if he can give you that in a super flex league. Um, but the rushing upside certainly isn't there. We know how important that is. Uh, You know, and along the same lines, like. He did do this without Christian Watson. So if Watson comes back, his healthy rest of season, which is a big if, uh, which, by the way, I feel like I ruined that last week when I said he was going to the moon, uh, is, uh, is a big thing for Jordan Love's value, obviously. So I'm happy with the performance in week one. But like you guys said, we don't want to overreact.
1: I don't want to overreact to this next one. It's T. Higgins and his contract situation because we had some news that came out earlier this week from Kelsey Conway. She covers the Bengals. She used to cover the Falcons. Uh, but she said that T. Higgins is not believed to be in the Bengals' future plans. The two sides never got close. And then we see Joe Burrow sign his record-setting extension, $275 million. And then we see T. Higgins come out and see, and I use this in air quotes, eight targets. Because if you guys watched it, I posted the the film of it. Would you have called those eight targets that T. Higgins saw like targets at all?
0: Oh, my gosh. You posted it. You posted it and I watched it. I watched it like three times and I counted how many were catchable. There were two that were catchable, and that is being so full of grace. I mean, so. Those two, I think, were not good, but they were catchable. They deserved to be targets. The other six were not targets to T. Higgins in any way, shape, or form. There was a couple of those where the cameraman
1: is like way <laughs> off. Like, he's like confused because I'm watching the film. And I'm trying to spice it together. I'm like, I don't think the cameraman knows that it was supposed to go to T. Higgins because it's just way off. So eight targets, in air quotes, and he goose-egged. So a lot of people are like, okay, well, the team doesn't want him. He didn't do anything. They were really bad. And you can just write him off. So do not overreact. This is my message about T. Higgins. He's still only 24 years old. He's in the final year of his rookie contract. And yes, we do not know if he's going to be on the Bengals. And I would say, based on the extension and based on what, Jamar Chase is going to get Justin Jefferson resetting the market. Like Those are the guys that are going to get paid. I think that T. Higgins is up there as either the best or the second best wide receiver in next year's free agent market. Let me read these names to you guys and you tell me where he lands. Calvin Ridley, who we'll talk about later, who is going to be 29, Michael Pittman Jr., Gabe the Babe Davis, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Hollywood Brown. And then I just threw in there Chase Claypool just so we can laugh, okay?
0: Yeah, I mean he's absolutely the number one wide receiver. Even if you think uh the Calvin Ridley, which is the only wide receiver in the the caliber of tier of of uh, player as um Higgins is, Calvin Ridley's not going anywhere. He's a Jaguar. He's not going to hit the free agent market. He'll be franchised or he'll be uh, given an extension. They they've you know I'm I'm not worried about him leaving at all. So T Higgins. It seems like he is a foregone conclusion to be gone. Um, They they don't really have the money for him. They never really negotiated this offseason. And I think they're going to build around Jamar Chase and have to figure out a second wide receiver. So T. Higgins will be a free agent going to a different team. Yeah,
1: and honestly, guys, that's okay. Like, it's not like, okay, he gets a huge boost because he's out from Chase. Chase actually helped him in terms of a lot of these games. Like, open up coverage so i don't think it's like a a negative i also wouldn't call it just positive i just say like what do you believe about t higgins as a player and as a player who's 24 going 25 if you just take out those eight targets you just saw whatever they were and you looked at the 366 other targets he's seen in his career you would say this guy's good i wouldn't put him in the great category but i think he is what an nfl team wants he a player that profiles as a one that can get downfield. And can't have monster games. So he's gonna get a big contract and he would be a player that if you have him, do not panic. Um and I was trying to get some value, so I want to gauge from you guys. Would you rather have T. Higgins or Brandon Ayuk in a dynasty league? They they came in the league the same year.
2: I'm frozen with this question, truthfully. Uh not nice. yeah, that's that's super close. I think I I, I see more like alpha capability from Brandon Ayuk than I do T Higgins. Not that T. Higgins isn't good, but like I think Brandon Ayuk could turn into a, a true superstar. Uh, he I mean week one boys, he looked he looked incredible.
0: Brandon Ayuk is so hard. Yeah, I I lean more the T. Higgins side. Um Brandon Ayuk is what, twenty five? How how old is uh, T Higgins?
1: Twenty four point six.
0: Haha so super younger um, yeah, I, I, I both of these guys are good, but Ayuk is in a role where he's the wide receiver two for his team. I don't know if he does leave the team and you know and move on that he will get the contract that T Higgins is going to get. Someone's going to give T Higgins like a you know a an alpha tier contract, and that doesn't guarantee success, Kenny um, Galladay. But I think that T Higgins is still in his prime. Uh, he'll be given a contract that says he gets 150 targets. He's coming in to be a one. That's my guess. So I'll lean on the the T Higgins side.
1: Yeah. And I know people won't like this name comp, but there was a time when Alan Robinson was signed by the bears. He was still young. He was someone that can earn targets. Wasn't quite the separator that we wanted. That's kind of T Higgins and had some monster years with the bears where he was getting what 140, 150 targets. So that's kind of like what, what you're looking at, like a, a contract wise. So Keep that in mind. Don't just write him off, guys. He's he's still good. Let's take one more break, and we'll be right back. Bets, we're gonna get to talk about one more player here from you that caught your attention from the Dynasty Outlook, and it, it, it's all over the map. Like I think you could actually form a lot of opinions from Week One. And last year, if you would have done this with Justin Fields week one, you could have logged out and missed out on the rest of the season. So talk to me about Fields.
2: Yeah, this is, uh, I think, a completely different conversation because we know in fantasy, if he runs, he will be good. But I want to start this conversation with saying Chicago has its own 2024 first, Carolina's 2024 first, and the most available cap space entering this offseason after the season is over. So I want to ask you guys, what is the percentage chance that you think Justin Fields is the week one starter? Next year for Chicago,
0: great question. I, I put it if you just very, had to ballpark it. If I had to ballpark it, I would put it at ninety percent.
1: I'm a wow, little lower. That's way
0: higher than I would. That's way higher
2: than I would think. I'd probably put it at sixty-five, seventy percent. The clock's ticking. I, I mean, I know it's one week, but he was not good as no, a passer, saw- and and that is not a small thing. Like that was all of last year. Was the was the talk about Justin Fields? Is like, well. He's going to run. It's so good for fantasy, but like from a real life NFL perspective, it's not good. Week one, he was 29th in BFF passing grade. His A dot was 3.6 yards. That was 31st. Disgusting. He was under pressure on over half of his dropbacks. Um, and last year, like Chicago was dead last and Sachary allowed. Now, part of that is the offensive line, part of that is Justin Fields. And so there's a ton that has to change soon for Justin Fields. And if it doesn't, the NFL moves on very quickly. like They aren't winning games with Justin Fields. They didn't win last year. They clearly are off to a bad start this year. So all I'm saying is, if you think you have a starter locked in for next year, I do not think that is a guarantee. If the writing is on the wall that they keep losing, I am probably looking to move on in Dynasty from Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, I guess it's really just a matter of, do you think he's going to get his act together this year? And even if he's not a phenomenal passer, what matters is, does he score points? You know, last year in, in a stretch of losses, um, they scored 33 points, 29 points, 32 points, 30 points. If you're scoring 29, 30-plus points a game, I don't care if you're a bad passer. The only thing that matters for winning on an NFL field is did you score points? Um, th- those weren't fantasy points. Those were the points that the Chicago Bears scored, regardless of how many points they gave up. Um, so if he, if he can put up points... You know, on an NFL field, which I think he will do this season, he should be their starter next year.
1: The biggest issue is that he had two designed runs in week one. Like, yes. what are they doing? What is Luke Getze doing? Because that's when they had the switch last year. It was week six, and all of a sudden they started doing over five a game, and he went to the moon. So, I, here's what I here's what I do think in Dynasty: Justin Fields will be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year, and I said it was pretty high that it's the Bears. If it's not the Bears. This dude's going to be a starting quarterback for somebody because I think he has the tools to do it. Yeah, the only
0: the only way that he's not the starting quarterback barring injury for the Bears would be that the Bears get a really really good draft pick, believe in another quarterback more and then they're going to trade Fields to a quarterback needy team. So you're right, he'll he'll be a starter. So his sack
1: rate is just legendary by the way. Just like where he's what he's done in his career, it, he's good at that. He's good at taking sacks and holding onto the ball, which for fantasy we don't care. We don't care at all. We know that he's going to run. I, I like the point you brought up though, Bets, of like their ammo and what they have tells us that it's possible. I just put it at less likely based on, I think the team as a whole, they were losing last year, but they had an identity, right? Like I know I'm going narrative based, but like they had an identity that Justin Fields was fun, that the team embraced him and that they were actually moving forward in the right direction. So it's hard for me to say it after week one, when we did our Superflex flex show, when we went through our rankings he was the one at the very end of the group. Like when you get to like Trevor Lawrence and fields where I'm like, I'm not ready to crown fields just in the elites yet. So that's kind of like, I feel like he's just exactly where he was before where I'm not scared off, but I, I kind of thought like, okay, there's going to be some bumps. So um, any, th- any thoughts about their pass catchers? Cause it was Mooney in week one. And then DJ Moore saw like a 4% target share.
2: Well, that was confusing as heck. I I don't understand why that happened. But the other thing is with that eight out I mentioned, like after the game, Justin Fields said that was the game plan was these kind of short, you know, horizontal passes, Why? which in Why? the in the preseason, that's what we saw. We literally saw DJ Moore take a screen pass to the house. Granted, that was a terribly thrown ball. And we also saw Khalil Herbert take a screen pass to the house. So I don't know if they saw that and were like, oh, that's what worked. Let's just keep doing that. But yeah, I mean, Justin Fields was a good downfield passer in at Ohio State. So they need to open it up. They've got DJ Moore. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird.
1: Yeah, you can't really repeat yak stuff like that week in, week out. And if it doesn't work, then you're just completely screwed. So, Jason, you're going to hit us next. And I just want to ask you a question. Like In Arizona, I know that they sometimes refer to themselves as the Dirty Birds. But do you know that most people think of the Falcons as the Dirty Birds?
0: Yeah, nobody. I <clears throat> I don't think the Cardinals think of themselves as the Dirty Birds. Ron Wolfley, uh, the commentator for the Cardinals, that deep voice. He, uh, oh, the Dirty Birds! He will call them that. Um, okay, but uh, I don't. I don't think we go around. I've never heard people uh, other than doing an impression of Ron Wolfley uh, call us the Dirty Birds, but because the you, Falcons are yeah, the Dirty you, Birds. You bring up the Falcons because that is the storyline I want to talk about uh, from this. I mean, from this week, but also from last year. From Arthur Smith, from everything we know, the Falcons rushing and receiving conundrum. Uh, Will it stick? Will it be historically insane? Right now, the Falcons, just like last year, they want to run the ball. They're good at running the ball. As a team, they were basically the best rushing team last season uh, with Cordero Patterson Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley and whoever else uh, got the ball back there. The scheme is really, really good for running the ball. And that hurt Kyle Pitts last season. Drake London wasn't amazing. You just didn't throw the ball that much. So you come out this year after drafting B. John Robinson, obviously running back, but a pass-catching running back. Um, Kyle, I know you were at some Falcons uh, you know, camp. You were doing boots-on-the-ground camp reporting, and I remember you talking about them spreading it out, going five wide. In the red zone. In the red zone, empty backfield. Like, you know, just like what kind of an offense are we going to see this year? And here's what we saw week one. We saw them hand the ball off a lot, and then we saw after that they would hand the ball off to a running back and then sometimes they would do like a like a handoff, maybe a draw, maybe like a sweep, then then they would uh do it like a toss and always to this the running back and to the, then to that running back and then they would go to pass. And I don't know if you're aware, but over 50% of their targets went to the running backs. Obviously that is not going to uh stick. I mean, when you say fi- over 50% of the targets you're like percentages with the Falcons offense they don't make sense. Anyways, Bijan had a 34% target share. He only had 6 targets. They just didn't throw the ball a lot. And so I think that is the question like that we need to react to is can this possibly keep happening where the passing game is absolutely unequivocally irrelevant and the running game is is super solid and and great. Now, the reason I I wonder about cautioning us is cuz this was Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers they played. This was a team that, you know, was that looked like they're going to be a top 10 draft pick. They they were not good on offense, they were worse on defense. Uh so the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they get up by 14 points and of course you can run the ball. My belief is not just based on this single game. My belief is based on Arthur Smith's history this game last season that this is going to be exactly what you get. Um, I think that there will be certain games where they will have to throw the ball more. This will be the more extreme example in week one. But I do believe that they were they're going to succeed with this method. It's going to suck for fantasy when it comes to the passing game. I don't think you want to invest in any of the passing options. I'm all about the running back. So you want to give me Bijan, you want to give me Tyler Algier, I'm happy to take him, obviously. But I feel like Drake London is red alert. Red alert for a super talented top 10 pick who has done nothing but look great. And Kyle Pitts, who's super athletic and I don't blame him for any of his woes on not being able to catch on catchable targets. But like, this is a team where if you are relying on Drake London or Kyle Pitts, I think you're screwed. I I, I think you are not going to have a good run there and neither of these players now Kyle Pitts both these guys are so young that on a long-term dynasty perspective especially Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts will have a dominant future I really believe that the way they use Kyle Pitts is insane to me it's absolutely mind-blowing that they basically you you know it's funny we like we want them to have valuable targets downfield run real wide receiver routes and they do that with Kyle Pitts but they only do that with Kyle Pitts, get the man the ball in some designed like, just leak him out a little bit from the line of scrimmage. Give him an easy catch. I feel like everything he gets is like 25 yards down the field, and it's a 40-60 ball. It's, it's not fair to the man. Uh, On his second contract, wherever he goes, he'll be great. But right now, for the next couple of years, I believe that it's going to be more of the same. Uh, and, and Arthur Smith does not care, He and he succeeds with it uh he's just too good at running the ball. They're going to keep doing it and I'm I'm out on the Falcons passing game.
1: Pitts ran 20 routes this past week and luckily they didn't ask him to pass block. They just got Jonieu Smith to do that, but I rewatched the game and it was as bad as you could think. I mean, L- London's one target he dropped. So that wasn't good. And Bijan, like they were manufacturing touches for him, so a couple of those targets were just like little flicks like barely across the line of scrimmage. Eh. The The hardest part is their schedule coming up. I know we're looking short-term here. Is Green Bay at Detroit, Jacksonville. I think they're not going to be able to play the same way that they did against the Panthers, where they were really bad. I mean, they didn't turn the ball over, but on third down, they were bad. Ritter looked pretty scared, like, for the most part. Like, it, it, it didn't look good. So it's weird when you kind of roll back, like, where London and Pitts were taken in drafts, because, remember, Pitts, they took them the pick before Jamar Chase no big deal. And then London, they took him two picks before Garrett Wilson. So we have completely different dynasty outlooks on players that went right after them because of their situation. And I'm with Jason, like it's one of those things with London where you, I don't know if you could trade him right now because people are not going to respect it. But at the end of the day, like you can't start him with confidence. So would you rather have Jason Drake London or Christian Watson in dynasty?
0: I would rather have Christian Watson. I think Christian Watson has a That's chance. Painful. I know it. It, it kind of sucks. He's a little bit older. He's not as talented as a wide receiver as uh, Drake London is. Like, if you told me that the the that those players were traded for one another in the NFL, oh my goodness, would I be in on Drake London? Drake London is a better player than Christian Watson, but sometimes that doesn't matter. You know, sometimes it, what matters is the situation you're in, the 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 opportunity that you're going to get on the field, and Drake London's not going to get enough.
1: Yeah, it's and with so Bijan. Like with Bijan.
2: Five minutes was so
0: sad.
1: Oh, man. Well, welcome to be a Falcons fan um, <laughs> where we can win and then everyone still hates us because, well, it's screwing over their fantasy lives. Let me give one more thought here a former Falcon, Calvin Ridley, and talk about his value moving forward. He's 28.7 years old, and we've made fun of him for this, but he's technically on his rookie contract still.
0: That, that is so insane. It's so insane that he is finishing his rookie contract at the end of his career. Anyways, go on.
1: That's it. I looked at Hayden Hurst, who's like super old, and he like just finished his rookie contract the year before, and he's 30 now. Anyway, um, Falcons players, whatever. So with Calvin Ridley, he looked like an alpha in week one, right? Like 35% target share, over 30% of the first three targets, 50% of the team's end zone targets. Like It was clear he's the dude. And Jason mentioned earlier, he's probably going to re-sign with Jacksonville. I don't know how long that contract will be, but what is his value right now? If you are a contender, you're happy, you're going to ride it out. But if you're in a rebuild and you have Calvin Ridley and you're just like, hey, I have had him on my squad, sitting around, I'm not in a place to contend, what kind of price would you be willing to part with him for? Because I would want more than a first. And I think I would want something like, if you want to contend... Like, I give me a first in another young player or, a, like, a first in, I don't know, I said a first in Jahan Dotson, and I would think about it, but I feel like Ridley's value is just so sky high despite his age right now that dynasty managers need to think about this before they just react too quickly.
2: I think the trade that you mentioned, you know, the first and a young wide receiver like Jahan Dotson, you can, you can pick another one if you want, but, like, that range probably feels correct to me, at least, because... look I was hesitant to buy into Calvin Ridley this offseason but training camp everything that you heard was positive and then came out and did that in week one now it was against Indy's like college level secondary so let's just remember that but like Trevor Lawrence we want to bet on right and we we like the system I think it's here to stay for this season at least probably next year as well so yeah you're right I think if you are going to part with Calvin Ridley I wouldn't just like look at this opportunity and say, like, I got to get something right now. Like, I think you can you can capitalize and you can get something pretty legit in the form of a trade
0: if you are not a contender.
1: Yeah. So final thought here, Jason, is he one of those players? It's like if you have him, you just got to ride this out.
0: Yeah, I I think you ride it out. I mean, I would try to trade him because, um, like you said, if you if you could get Jahan Dotson and a one, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. He's He's about to turn 29 years old that's when you capitalize on those wide receivers. If you can get a first and a young stud for any great 29-plus-year-old wide receiver not named Tyreek Hill, I would pretty much do that. Um, but assuming you can't get that, then, yeah, you write it out. Because like I said, I, I do think he's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar next year. I think he's going to be great this year, great next year. And if you're you know on a championship run, he's going to provide a lot of value. He was so clearly the first target. Um, watching how the reads progressed, Christian Kirk only played sixty percent of snaps, and it just seemed like Calvin Ridley's my dude. I'm looking at him. I'm gonna force him the ball, and he's good enough. You know that was the question. It's like, well, is he good enough to be that dude? Yeah, he is. He he was through camp and week one. He just he looked awesome.
1: Yeah, this week they play Kansas City at home, which should be one of the best games of the week. Yes, so. please. Yes, for DFS for everything. It's uh. It's going to be a fun game. That's going to do it for this episode of the Dynasty Podcast. If you want to stay in the Dynasty conversation, guys, our Discord is popping. The Dynasty channels, they don't go to sleep just because we're in in re- season. So if you want to hop on that, you can go to our website, thefantasyfootballers.com, to be a part of that conversation. We hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out FantasyFootballers.com. Without the ones
1: like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.